Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alt Left. This is episode 59. We've got another and a string of great guests for you tonight. Uh, tonight, we have Ryan uh, from a podcast called Between the Liars. Uh, I think you're going to really like it. Uh, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram as just Between the Liars. Uh, he does a lot of really cool political stuff, kind of in the same genre as us. Uh, they tend to be a little more diverse, um, and you should definitely check them out. But uh, before anything else, Ryan, thanks for coming on, man. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so um, let's just get it started. Um, I actually, um, I know, again, I know your cast comes from kind of a left versus right, kind of run the spectrum. Where do you personally stand politically? I tend to fall more towards the center right. Okay. If I were to group most of my arguments, it probably falls back to things like personal responsibility, minimal government involvement, and a lot of emphasis on individualism. Okay, fair enough. Um, that that that's a good way. I think center right would be a good place to put those. Something I want to. I mean, let's just start. Let, let's just jump into it. Something I always find is there's a disconnect, right, with people on the right who say that I believe in personal responsibility. And usually, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Usually, you're talking about kind of a meritocracy, like people who work hard or people who have exceptional abilities should kind of rise to the top based on their own merit, that kind of thing but rarely support institutions that actually do that. Like typically, again, I'm, you know, tell me where you stand on this, but typically I have found people who stand on the side of, I don't like lots of government interference, right? Like I want a small government tend to vote for and bring in candidates and identify with stances that have the most draconian and powerful governmental structures I've ever seen. So when you say, like, I want less government, do you mean just less taxes or do you actually mean less domestic policy regarding human decisions? So I would emphasize the the more local governments. One of our last episodes, actually, we talked to someone who's involved at more of the, uh, like, county level rather than even, like, the state or the federal government. So for me, I think that the federal government has the most disconnect from the individual needs of the people. So, like, I would prefer more power to the states, more to your local government, and I would support those institutions because they are so connected to the people. Federal government has its place. I'm not going to be out here saying, you know, the the federal government should, you know, just go screw themselves and, you know, they've got nothing. Uh, but at the same time, I really think that the the smaller institutions tend to to do better actually, you know, applying the money that if they tax it, the federal government, a lot of things get lost. They go to a lot of politicians, pet projects. So I, I guess I would say that I, I support the the smaller ones. So what you're saying is it's not really about government interference in personal day-to-day lives. You're kind of you're advocating for not less government, but local government, right? Like you want states and cities to to have more power, and the federal government to take a step back. Yes. Okay, that's a good way. I to guess put it. My, my question on I mean that makes a lot, I, I see your point there, but my question on that one is then how do we safeguard things like civil liberties? So, are you are you saying then that if if the federal government isn't involved then say civil liberties are at stake, like um, just kind of walk me through yeah, like I, a, a specific I, example. And I'd. Uh, I would say historically um, the times in history where the States had the most powerful is when we had the most egregious uh, forms of lack of civil rights and atrocities sure. 
for citizens. So anytime we have, anytime we see states as the more powerful institution, we tend to see more human suffering and more, I mean, for not to be hyperbolic, but crimes against humanity. Sure. I suppose the, the way that I would look at that then is when the, the state governments commit those atrocities, they need to be reined in and they're more capable of being reined in than say at the federal level because of the checks and balances that they have. So when they're stepping on those civil liberties, they would need to be reined in and they can't. But reined in by who? If, if, there, if, the, if the state government has the most power, so like, okay, let's say for instance, let's just pick two random states. Like let's say Texas and Oklahoma, right? So let's say Texas stays kind of right where it is. And let's mm-hmm. say Oklahoma slides super, super like fucked up. Like let's just say Oklahoma goes full handmaid's tale, right? And, and women lose the right to vote and citizenship and slavery is instituted and, and you know, whatever. Pick, pick, your, pick your evil and, and Oklahoma is now going to further this along. Who stops Oklahoma from doing that? You're saying Texas should then invade? No, 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 no. Then it goes to the federal government. So when states overstep, then they're also checked by the federal government. But if the states have more power than the federal government, how would the federal government do? Because if we're talking about power, right? Right. This is power comes from the dollar, right? So we're talking about like, you know, where taxes are getting implemented. But if the federal government doesn't have the right to regulate states financially or militarily, how would they be stopped? Yeah, that, so, I think that's where the question comes in too. It's you're you're effectively advocating for neutering the federal government, but then pivoting back and saying, well, when things go bad, the federal government that we've just neutered is now going to have the power to fix it. And it's like, I don't see how both things can happen at the same time. Yeah. How is the federal government supposed to do that at that point? And how is the federal government supposed to make a decision on whether the state is overstepping its rights or not. Sure. So let me walk back what I said earlier then and just give a specific example. So when we look at some of the specific mandates that are given by governors, those tend to be more tailored to the people within that state. And if they step on someone's rights egregiously, currently the federal government can intervene, right? Like if you are committing a civil rights violation, you're in violation of the Constitution, federal government can step in as long as specific things have been met. And I'm not in favor of the government not having the ability to do that. What I'm saying is that like at the state level or at the local level, I think that those people who are more invested in the community tend to know what uh, those needs of their community are and they can better fit those. And so if we're going to be spending inordinate taxes on things, the projects that are overseen at the state level tend to be more successful than at the federal level. So I suppose not just like shred up the Constitution, start over, redelegate the powers, but rather when we're going to be funding institutions, funding the systems, allowing the state governments to decide maybe a little bit more on how they might spend those taxes, taking more of those taxes rather than it all going to the federal government might be a way to kind of balance it in that type of a power rather than you know, just give them the power to go and and step onto the people's yeah rights, and, and that's fair. I mean, maybe I assumed a lot about your position for that. It one. probably so wasn't that, stated well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's fine. I, again, I, you know, at this point, you know, I don't know the nuance of your pol- political opinions. So when you're saying states' rights, I, I immediately think of people who are into very hardcore, you know, reduction sure. of federal government. So 
what specifically would you, I mean, again, I, I'm not asking you to cite specific case law or anything, but like, what would you suggest, you know? So let's say you're king for a day and you're going to implement that policy that I want the states to have more of a say in what the constituents get. What, what, what would you take away from the federal government and what would you grant to states that doesn't exist currently? Mm. That's a good question. And I, I don't really have an answer for you. <laughs> That's fair. Here's the thing. You know what? There's times where I get stumped on my beliefs too. That's okay. You know, we can, yeah. we can say, Here's I don't know. I'll go back to that at some point. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to be clear here is, is I don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer to something. And I think <laughs> I'm getting a little derailed here, but personally, one of my, one of the, my biggest gripes is that especially in the U S this idea of saying, I don't know, somehow makes you you somehow you've lost by admitting a lack of knowledge on something or, or it, it's a bullshit way to approach things. Sure. Like if you don't have an answer, it doesn't make you wrong or right. It just means you don't know. So yeah. Well, and not admitting that means you absolutely get the wrong answer. So, okay. But let's, exactly. Yeah. So, so let's table that one then. <laughs> yeah. Moving on from, you know, separation, you know, separate enumeration of powers. What would you say is kind of what's, what's your number two gripe? Like what, what is the problem that you think needs to be fixed right now? Because I got a list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And believe you me, he's checked it twice. (laughs) I think right now one of the biggest problems that I have with where the left is moving is that they seem to be in favor of granting the government a lot of power that they wouldn't be happy with the government possessing if, say, Trump was back in office. Like we've seen a lot of the policies that have been passed or attempted to be passed in the Senate, in the House, or some of the mandates that have been passed by Biden, that I think if it was somebody else who had been passing them, it wouldn't be tolerated as well. So for me, I I don't particularly like the forgetfulness that, you know, parties swing back. Like it's a matter of time until the other party is in office. And and that continues to be the case. So for me, I'm very hesitant to grant large amounts of power to uh, insert whatever level of government you want to. Yeah. I I don't like where that seems to be heading at the moment. Well, and so here's what I would say to that. Sorry, Chris. I was going to say, I, I, I I think you're a hundred percent correct. Um, I actually share the same complaint uh, with Democrats. Um, I, I find it funny that everyone's like, oh, these cages and cages are an atrocity. And it's like, well, it wasn't an atrocity when Obama did it. But now yeah. that Trump is in office, suddenly this is the worst thing in the world. And now that Biden is in office, well, they're just they're just happy camps. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? It's like as, as soon as you slap a DNC logo on it, all of a sudden, everything that Trump and Bush and anyone else did is totally fine as long as a Democrat does it. Um, so I guess, I mean, Matt, you can go, but I would say the correction is, you know, you say the way the left is moving. And I, I would I would like to say as, as someone who is quite far on the left, they do not represent us whatsoever. Um, Agreed. You're, you're, you're going to be hard to find people who hate Biden more than people on this show. Uh, we are yeah. not Biden fans. We are not Democrat fans. Um, not even a little. So that was actually the point I was going to raise is I think... And this is where things, I think, get a little bit controversial for some is this idea that Biden, this administration and the Democrats in general that hold power in any way represent the left or leftist values is is a lie that has been packaged and sold 
to the right and the middle by the right. Like it's it if you want to compare politics to any other Western nation, Biden's a conservative by any other by any comparable measure. It's only in the US that he gets called a leftist. And what I think is funny is like people talk about the left referring specifically to people like Biden and Pelosi. And I don't like the way the direction the left is going. Well, they're going further right. That they're like Biden has actually kept most of Trump's policies in place. Like, okay, trans people can now go die for a country that hates them. Great. That's not a leftist policy. Uh, Kids are still in cages. We're still bombing countries right and left. Like we still have problems with police murdering black people. Right. Like from a policy perspective, I don't see much difference between Biden and Trump. You hear people like freaking Ted Cruz and Biden's this freaking crazy ass socialist. that's going to bring us into communism. And I'm like, give me that fucking guy. I wish that was the Biden we got. Yeah, and well, I, I'll say something that I don't think uh, Ryan was expecting to hear. Uh, number one, Trump did a better job of managing COVID than Biden ever did. Uh, Trump did more for the American people in in this crisis than Biden ever did. Biden has uh, Trump didn't go far enough, and Trump did a lot of things that I think weren't great. Um, but he actually gave more to American people and did more to help struggling Americans. And the few things he did, which were not enough, Biden stopped. Like he actually neutered the good thing, the few good things that Trump did. And I hate Trump, but the couple of good things he did, Biden slammed. And you, when you talk about, you know, the right and left thing, I think, again, something else I don't think you're expecting to hear, but the Republican Party is more in tune with and represents more of the American people than the Democratic Party does. Because I don't agree with the Republicans. I think they're a fascist party. But I would at least say there's a there's a good chunk of Americans that the Republican Party is actually representing. And that is what a democracy is. We don't have to agree about it. But they represent their voters. The Democratic Party does not. The Democratic Party pushes right-wing values onto left-wing people but then also refuses to cooperate and go along with the popular opinions and talking points of the right. So they literally do a disservice to both sides. What do you think, Ryan? No, I, I think you're spot on. I also agree. I, <laughs> I didn't expect you to say a lot of those things. Some of them I've heard on your, your I've listened to about five or six of your episodes now. I kind of went, went back oh, and picked a few. <laughs> uh, no, I, I enjoy them. <laughs> I enjoyed your, uh, you guys are very conversational. And I, you know, I just, I really want to do my homework on, you know, who, who am I coming to talk to, what to kind of expect. Uh, I didn't expect that. So you did blindside me there. Uh, I guess for, uh, for Matt, when he was talking about uh, Biden being more conservative, I think where I would disagree with that is his economic policies. I think that he's a lot more moderate in some of the social issues and that were wanted in Bernie, let's say. But I think that when it comes to a lot of the restructuring as he tried to do for the economy, as far as like his Build Back Better package, I think that like that's that's heavily not conservative. So that's where I would disagree. But I, I do suppose it depends on how you're defining conservative. And when you say compared to the yeah. rest of the world, I think that that also makes a big difference. Well, yeah, and, and what are we defining as conservative? Because, I mean, Biden's build back better. I mean, this is, if we're, I mean, you can look back at things like the Marshall Plan. I mean, like conservatives and Republicans have until recently had no problem with spending money on infrastructure. Conservatives, again, historically, maybe not today. Uh, now conservatives will lose their mind if uh, someone wants to fix a pothole. But 
Um, <laughs> typically, conservatives have been in favor of spending on city development yeah. and developing infrastructure, developing business. Like they're fine with that. They tend to not want to spend money on the individual. They don't want to create um, systems of welfare, systems of social safety nets. Conservatives want to build a. They want to build a system to where. And again, this is I'm singing the conservative viewpoint here. Correct me where I'm wrong. But conservatives want to build a web and a social system where individuals can thrive based on their own merits. And they are fine with spending money on that, which is why they would typically are down for big business. They believe in tax cuts. Um, they believe in representation of business and government. They believe in building roads and bridges. They believe in building military. Um, they believe in building telecommunications line, power plants. Like conservatives historically up until recently have been big on that one and not big on welfare. You know, and usually that was a, a, you know, in the last century, that's a democratic thing. You know, after, you know, come mid 20th century, World War II, that's where that shift happens, where all of a sudden the Democrats became the party of, of assisting the individual and Republicans were the party of assisting, you know, the, 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 the infrastructure. But now it's like we have the Democrats who are only willing to assist the infrastructure while they tout wanting to assist the individual, but don't. And then you have the Republicans who say they want to limit government, but they they increase spending on a governmental level faster than anyone does. I mean, the Republican Party is here trashing the Build Back Better bill, and you can hate it, you can love it. It's an infrastructure spending bill. You can say it's too much or it's too little, whatever, that that's your opinion. But it's an infrastructure bill, and in my opinion, it's badly needed. Now, I don't support it, because I felt it left Americans hanging out to dry. And I think it was put forth irresponsibly. And I think Biden basically just wanted a win. It was this was just him patting himself on the back. And that's all he cared about. And I'm not here for spending billions of dollars on someone's ego project. But if we're gonna spend billions of dollars, it needs to help people not not make a president feel good about himself. And that was the same complaint with George W. Bush. But the Republicans don't want it. They don't want an infrastructure anymore. It's like they don't want to spend on anything that's not the military industrial complex. Matt, you're saying well, something? Yeah, I was just saying, like, the thing that blows me away about this is like it was an infrastructure bill that was designed to put money mostly in the hands of wealthy Americans and businesses, which is why it kind of blew me away. Republicans weren't more for it. Because it's you like like Chris was saying, that's usually the thing that gets them hard. It's like feed the Falcon capitalist machine and that and that and we'll do it. But it at least recently since the Obama administration, Republicans have been, in my opinion, I think it goes to two things. Republicans are anti-everything. Like their platform is we are against this, 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 and this. But they stoke that with anger and fear from the right, and that's why they get their votes. The left, the reason why they fail is they're they're against one thing, Republicans, period. And I think that's a lot of the reason why they lose. The left isn't for anything anymore. And the things they do try to accomplish in many ways, like, and again, you you pointed to this economically, but like they always try to go into this middle ground where they embrace right-wing ideas to get their agenda done. I mean, look at Obamacare. He got that from Mitt, Rom Mitt fucking Romney. It was a state-level program that he just wanted to apply at the national level. And they were like, nope, it's fucking socialism. Fuck you. And I guess that's kind of now where where's I'm just my like, social security check. Yeah, exactly. And my <laughs> Medicare. You can't get rid of my Medicare. I love Medicare. And they didn't even understand the difference. Like, I mean, there was tons of video out there from, and again, it's a joke, but like 
people going out and saying what to Republicans, what do you think about Obamacare? Oh, we fucking hate it. What do you think about the ACA? Oh, it's amazing. I can't wait to get it. It's the same fucking thing. That's what I don't get. It's like Republicans are so good at branding stuff they hate as bad and people on the right just eat it up. Whereas the left can't do that for shit. All they've got is, well, Republicans are bad and we're not them. So what do you think? What would you say is a good use of billions of dollars, Ryan? So I think a lot of what you say is a fair criticism. I don't agree with all of it. But I think if you're going to spend billions of dollars, I think where you see the most return on your investment is when it's put into the businesses, which is why Republicans tend to be in favor of things like tax cuts, because it's not money going straight into their pocket. It's money that they don't have to pay in taxes, which then they can use as money going forward. So if I don't pay, let's say, $10,000 in taxes, that's a bad example because that's going to be a horrible wage. Let's say I don't pay $100,000 in taxes, and then I can hire, let's say, two people more that year because I give them each $50,000 in their salary. And that's obviously really simplified. But what it does then is it gives the business incentive and the ability to hire more people. So when you're spending money and you can invest it into businesses that then can multiply and let's say hire more people or you invest it into something like infrastructure, I think that there's definitely a time and a place for it. I think what is important to note uh, with the infrastructure package that was passed was that a lot of the like the things we talk about, like roads and potholes and stuff, a lot of that is already accounted for by the state government. And so when they're passing these enormous bills that give the federal government money for uh, like infrastructure and things like that, it overlaps significantly. So I do question how much of a need there was for the federal government to, let's say, have quite as much that the taxpayers then foot the bill for. And when we actually look at where the money is going, I think that a lot of times the taxpayers are less than happy. And that's kind of a resounding theme on our show is that who gets the shaft? It's the American people. Like it's important to remember that politics is theater. So I'm not like, woo, this, this party or that party, because if they're not voting for anything different, then what good does it do? Whether it has an R or a D slapped in front of it, because it doesn't, it doesn't actually represent the the will of the people at that point, right? So if we put them in there to do X job and then they don't do it, then they failed the people, regardless of the party. And I think that, was it Matt who mentioned earlier that I think you said that the Democrats were more out of touch at this point with the people, the Republican Party represents the people better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that a big issue and why the polls are so low right now is because I, I don't think that the Democrats are passing what they were voted in there to put like Biden campaigned on higher minimum wage. He campaigned on free college tuition. He hasn't done any of those. What he did do was reverse Trump's uh, executive order, Mm -hmm. reducing the cost of insulin, right? Like he's done a lot of things so that they could then slide that into a package so that when the Republicans voted against it, what do they have political fodder to say, ah, Republicans voted against insulin. It's like, well, really you caused the problem. You dangled the solution for your own political gain and the people keep getting the shaft in that case it happens to be the diabetics but you know you can find any place where they're they're campaigning on a promise and they've broken it. and that goes both ways well but we what we've shown though is that again and i agree that it does go both ways but more so than you're than you're letting on here because you talk about the people and again the democratic party absolutely does not but the republican party and we can i don't even care about parties um, I'm far more interested in right, left, conservative, liberal, progressive, fascist, communist, you know, that kind of, I think those are far more descriptive 
Yeah, much um, better representations of people in their Yeah, because I don't believe either party. Yeah, neither party represents the American people well, but the conservative movement, whether that's Republican, Libertarian, whatever, are actually unpopular. You know, if we're going to talk about political representation, you look at both the Libertarian and the Republican Party platforms and the things they stand for, things like Art Roe versus Wade, things like taxes, things like police reform. Everything they they campaign on is actually unpopular with the American people. Like you can pew research any single Republican viewpoint, and all of them are under fifty percent. So this is a party that got what, what is Roe v. Wade now? I think it's all it's almost almost like it's over sixty percent support yeah. Roe v. Yeah. Wade in this country. But the Republican Party froths at the loins to take away a woman's right to choose. Most Americans believe in free and fair election. Most Americans believe elections should be a federal holiday and that voting, that purging voting rolls is a terrible thing. But the Republican Party does it in mass. The Republican Party wins elections from gerrymandering, not from popular vote. So I would, again, I, I, I stand by my statement that the Democratic Party serves no one and the Republican Party does serve more people, but they're still a minority. And we have a party that is, it's almost kind of like when you go into a news show in the United States, whether it's Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, it doesn't matter. They, they, they always fall into the same trope of, well, here's one person who believes the earth is round and here's one person who believes the earth is flat and we're going to represent them as equal, even though one has a stupid opinion that no one else believes in. And I think we're getting that same thing where it's like we, we think that conservatives and, and the far right, you know, not talking about center people, um, center left and center right do have large followings in this country. But the further right, the Republican Party, they're just completely unpopular beliefs. And so how can we say that's democracy? How can we support a party where their entire platform is unpopular? Like, how do you support the Republican Party when they want to take away the civil rights of women? And they want to take away from any kind of equity this country could have. And they refuse to back down from taking down conservative monuments. I and mean, this idea that I mean, we'll take them one by one. I'm, I'm not going to bombard you here. <laughs> so let, let's talk about two things first. Sure. Let's talk about voting, voting rights, yeah. because they constantly complain about an election that absolutely was not stolen. I mean, they bitch about an election that was stolen where they picked up more House and Senate seats than the Democrats did. Yeah. Um, and so they're purging voting rolls, which, surprise, surprise, are young, black, and poor people who tend to vote Democrat more often. And how do you go with things like Roe v. Wade, which would completely strip civil rights from over half the population, and it's unpopular? Like, how do you support a party that does that? I think the, the blanket answer to that would be, what is the alternative? Because as much as we have... A handful of parties, right? Like you've got the Communist Party, you've got the Tea Party, you've got what the Green Party, the uh, the you've got the Republican Party is the Tea Party, Republican, now. right? So you have a handful of platforms that have a quote unquote voice representation, but when it comes down to the final election, it's it's really you've got Democrat and Republican. If you you really want to pick between those, you you can cast an alternative ballot, and I know people who do. But the way that the system is right, the way that the system is set up, a lot of people feel like doing that is a waste of their vote. And then you've got the alternative that says that it's it's never a waste to vote because, you know, you've you've let your voice be heard. And I guess it depends on how you want to accept that. But I think a lot of people choose to still support the Republican Party because they view it as the bulwark against where the Democratic Party is taking things. And I think a lot of people on the left view it the opposite way. The Democratic Party is the bulwark against the Republicans. 
Yeah. Uh, so for the voting issues, I think that there's a couple of important notes. One, like the gerrymandering is not something that's unique to the Republican Party. It's something all politicians do. In fact, there was recently an article published by, uh, I think it was the New York Times. But basically, New York, because of the amount of people who left and moved to other states, they were supposed to lose something like three three seats. And the way that the districts were set up, they were going to lose three Democratic seats. And then they redrew the map. They were set to lose the House seats. And then when the district map was redrawn, the governor, I, I don't know if, she, if they've signed it or not yet, but basically the, the new map is going to add three Democratic seats and, and lose the Republican seats. Like You've got people redrawing just to, to suit themselves. And I, I don't know what the oh, yeah. answer is to gerrymandering. I think it's <laughs> it gets messed up. Well, and and the thing is, is I mean, and, and you're right, and it is ridiculous the way it's. I mean, that's the term comes because uh, it was a guy named Elbridge Jerry, um, a conservative, and he drew a district that represented basically what looked like a salamander, and so that's where that term gerrymander comes from, <laughs> um, because it was this ridiculous shape. Yeah. Um, but you find that Republicans are the ones who push for it, and yes, Democrats are guilty of it too, one hundred percent. But they are guilty after the fact. And again, it, trust me, I promise you, I am throwing up in my mouth defending the Democratic <laughs> Party. I do not like them. But the Democrats are playing catch up. This is a Republican and a conservative creation. The conservatives created this and they pushed it for so long and would not allow it to be repealed by law. They fought it every step of the way that the Democrats have now had to do it to play catch up. And so I find it interesting that you're willing to defend the right for saying, well, it's a corrupt system that there's no way out of. But that system is corrupt for that reason. It is from the right side. Well, I think an important distinction, I'm not saying that gerrymandering is good and I won't defend a party oh, no, I don't think doing you are. it. But like if I'm casting a blanket ballot that, that encompasses and puts someone in office, then usually what people are looking for is who has the most ideals. And there's things you're going to have to suck it up on. And there's things that you're not mm -hmm. if you're going to cast that in favor of one party or the other. So what are the ideals of the Republican Party that entice you and that you think a majority of the American people should be voting for? Because, again, like I said, they're all unpopular. Well, hold on. Before we get down that road, there's one thing I want to add on to that. It's because you pose an interesting question or inter interesting point of what's the alternative. Going back to this thing about voting rights, it's like. You've got one party, as we've already talked about, is actively trying to inhibit the voting rights of people. If you want an example of the left of what the alternative would be, look at Stacey Abrams. Like, she's a perfect example of what Democrats do fight for when they fight for something opposite Republicans. She went out there and got people to vote, helped get buses organized, helped get people to voting booths. Like, the only reason, um, oh, fuck, I always mess it up. Is it Alabama or Georgia? Help me out here. Georgia. 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 Stacey Abrams. Georgia. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The only reason Georgia flipped is most people that have analyzed this said it's solely because of her. That's the only reason Georgia was flipped. So it's again, if you're going to bring up what's the alternative, I'm going to challenge you and say, we know what the alternative is. The alternative is more people get to vote if you don't vote for Republicans. If you vote for Republicans, less people go. Like that's that, I guess, to me is where it's like, I'm going to push you on that. It's like, if we can agree that the most amount of people being allowed to vote should vote, 
and taking away people's rights to votes is bad. And we, we've we got examples of one party trying to stop people voting and one people trying to help people vote. How, how do you vote, throw your vote to the party that's like, no, people that are of a certain pigmentation in their skin shouldn't have as much voting power. Yeah, like, I mean, that's really what Republicans, Republicans have done. Republicans are the ones who wrote laws to make it illegal to bring water to people standing in line to vote. And Republicans or and conservatives and right wing, because it's not even just Republicans, libertarians too. But who is outside intimidating voters with firearms outside of polling places? It's not leftists. It's right wingers. So for the water portion, I think one thing that's important to note on that is that it wasn't mm-hmm. just you can't have water with you. It's that there's a there are laws that say you can't have like representation for candidates within a certain amount of a distance for the polling locations. Mm-hmm. And people were giving out water that had campaign related things on it. And they said, you can't be doing that. They also were uh, they have but that's not what the law stuff. says, though. Right, and they yeah, wrote the it law in says nothing to that. about advertising. It says that you literally cannot provide water to someone while they are waiting in line. Right, anyone, not, not a you campaign can, person, anyone, anybody, can no one it. can. Yeah, you cannot, as as a person, as a private citizen, I could not go and get a bottle, take a bottle of water that said Costco on it, and hand it to you if you were standing in line. That would be against the law, and I could be prosecuted as such. That's what the law says. It doesn't say that you cannot com- campaign. It doesn't say anything about any type of uh, wording or verbiage or has nothing to do with that. It says literally that you cannot provide water. Yeah, right. and, you, and you can bring and, your and, own. You can't provide it. And I'm not yeah, saying that put, they were being put, yeah, but, in that. But I can't hand you a bottle of water right. if you're standing in line. Yeah. And, and again, to put this in perspective, Georgia is not the only state. There was one other, Montana. Uh, also says you can't give food and drink, but it specifically states that that can't come from a candidate, political party, or volunteers. Sure. Not that it can't yeah. come from other Which, people yep. or unsolicited. Okay yeah, but to simply say, I want everyone, I don't care what your political party is, and there's no campaign slogans, if I just bring a flat of Costco water so that everyone who's standing in a long line to vote doesn't pass out. In Georgia, they don't want people to be hydrated while voting. Why is that? And who do you think is more likely to have issues of standing in a longer line in the heat and won't be as prepared to have water? And that is going to be the poor and people in poorer districts where there are more crowded polling places. Like it's naive to sit there and say, well, this is for it's it's not. We, We know this is specific targeting. I mean, can you seriously look us in the eye? And say the people in Georgia who wrote this law were not absolutely targeting the black and the poor. I think you want to be careful with the generalizations with the racial portion. Why? Why? We have, we have leaked memos from the Republican Party saying they don't want the black and the poor voting. The Republicans, the Republican Party has said this. This well, is their I'm words. I'm saying like using. when you put those next to each other, I think you want to be careful <laughs> saying that like the, the black are automatically going to be poor. Like I'm saying I think you want to be careful with that. Oh, I wasn't saying that. I said well, black and poor. They're automatically poor. It's that these districts where these are the largest problem of people that are poorer typically have more melanin in their skin and have a higher density of population. So their voting places are much more crowded and it takes much longer to do so. And that's by design from the right wing. Cities have been designed in the South for this. They also don't have the ability to take off work during normal regular hours. So at the end of the day, a, a voting cycle 
you know, everybody is there and they wait in lines that are hours and hours long because while they're technically allowed off for work, that doesn't mean that they have the ability to miss a day of work or hours of work Mm -hmm. because of that disparage, them not having that financial security to do so. Yeah. And I would agree, I would agree that it's good. We don't mix black and poor together in a, in, 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 statement but in this case it holds true that this is a black and poor target is they are literally targeting that crossroad of people of color who are poor in georgia like that is a very specific one i mean again these these are republican memos where they said the black and poor this is not coming from anyone else's generalization this is from the gop strategy book laws that are passed specifically targeting demographics When that happens, that's problematic. I think where we want to be careful is drawing the conclusion that that's exactly the reason why they passed. Now, if you have memos that say that, that completely changes the situation. But one of the common things that I hear that's like, oh, this is specifically targeting a demographic is say like voter ID laws. And to me, that that seems very, very dangerous grounds to be treading on and basically saying that people of specific skin colors can't have voter IDs because you need voter IDs for everything. So like, I think that there's a balance that has to take place between how do we make sure that the election remains, it, it retains its integrity, but also we, we maintain that access because you, you shouldn't be passing laws that target specific demographics. I won't look you in the eye and say that that's, that would be acceptable to do. What I would say is I would be careful at the, the drawing the conclusion that that's the case. Like, for example, when, when Georgia, uh, some of the things that they did recently that where they had all that that big hubbaloo after the, the passing day, they reduced the number of drop boxes that were available. And mm-hmm. post COVID, I don't think that you need that many drop boxes. I think that we've got more people who can now go vote in person doesn't mean that you're not going to stand but, in line. Doesn't mean you're why not going to have them? difficulties. Sorry, but why remove them? Like, what does that serve? Because that's that's the issue. Because I you're find leaving, is that like you're leaving you, ballots but, out. But then. where's there? But where's there been a problem? These ballots are at federal buildings with cameras on them. Like ballot boxes aren't in front of the Seven Eleven. They're in front of post offices and libraries that are monitored and they're locked and secured. Well, I also want to go back on this idea of fraud. Voter fraud doesn't exist the way that Republicans keep trying to fight it. It's no, a non-issue. It In fact, the majority of the time where we do find voter fraud, guess who it's from? Republicans. So it's like, yeah, the only people who who committed fraud were Republicans last last election. You you take issue with with the with with the race issue here, and again, even if I withdraw the race thing from it. We are still left with a situation where the Republican Party is actively trying to restrict people from voting. People. I'm not going to say poor people. We know they are trying to restrict votes because the things they are doing have proven over and over again to restrict people from voting. We know that. Like, they're honest about it. They're saying they're trying to stop people voting. Now, the reason they're giving for doing it is because they think voter they, they want to put out this idea that voter fraud is rampant and widespread. But that's also a bunch of horseshit. Like there's no evidence to back that up over and over again. Every time they cry fraud or foul, when this is investigated over and over and over again, we either find no fraud, we find that the left won, or Dem- I shouldn't say left, the Democrats won more, or when there was fraud, it was committed by right-wingers. And so 
this idea that they need to do this in order to stop a problem that doesn't exist, the only conclusion left to draw is, because again, I don't believe for a second that they think this problem exists. I think they're well aware that this problem doesn't exist. I think they're using it as another reason to restrict the voting rights of people that will not vote for them. Because again, as Chris pointed out, Left-wing ideas, not democratic ideas, left-wing ideas are overwhelmingly popular in this country. Simple as that. I think right-wing ideas are not. It's going to depend. So, for example, most recently when you had the Build Back Better agenda, it was it was overwhelmingly unpopular. So, I, I really think it depends on issue by issue, which is why, like, I, I'm usually pretty careful about the generalizations. And that's uh, fair. That is a generalization. You're, you're absolutely right on that. So, and when I say left-wing ideas, um, I, I am, that's another generalization, but uh, <laughs> I'll point to, I'll give you a list. So vote, expanding voting, access to voting. That's a left idea, leftist idea. Yes. Overwhelmingly popular. Uh, pro-choice is overwhelmingly popular. LGBTQ, B, LGBTQ rights are overwhelmingly popular. A, a Medicare for all, like socialized healthcare, is overwhelmingly popular. Roe v. Wade. Yeah, Roe v. Wade. Taxing the rich is overwhelmingly popular. Everything I just listed, Republicans are against that. Yes. By and large, every yep. way. And again, and again, so I generalize because in the whole package, the outliers of leftist ideas, and again, I'll go back to Chris. I think even the Build Back Better labeling it as a leftist idea, I, I don't think it's a leftist idea. I think it's a, a, I think a it's centrist. centrist idea. Yeah, it's a centrist idea that that put money into the hands of the rich, like which is a right wing idea. So, but we go back to this thing, and again, I keep harping on this because that's it, it's a significant issue. We've got one party that is actively trying to restrict people in this country from voting. And we've got another party that's fighting it. I'm not going to take a pro-democratic Democrat stance here either. But on this issue, we know where both parties lie. And I'm going to ask you again, why do you support the party that is on the fascist restricting votes <laughs> side of this argument? Like that, that, uh, and again, I, I say this as extremists, but I agree with Chris. I do believe that if there was ever, ever any indication that this party was going uh, in a fascist direction, it was when Trump came to power and it's now his party. I mean, the, the 2020 platform was basically just saying we support the great leader. That's all it is. The 2020 Republican platform was just says, like here, right here, the RNC has unanimously voted to forego the convention committee on platform. I mean, they, they literally admitted it. That it's just a strongman leadership. So I'll dive into uh, it was Matt's question about the voting. Um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> so the reason that I support it is because, and I'm going to go back to what is the antithesis because you know right now this was modeled at the state level and it was in New York, but this is something that when we push far enough. I think a lot of the more left-leaning people would like to see at a national level. New York, I believe they passed it. Please check me if I'm wrong. But what they're doing right now is they are giving the right to vote to everyone in New York, non-citizens, illegal immigrants, everyone. Just flat out, you get no, to vote. No, that, that, that's patently false. I'm going to check you right there. Go ahead. I read the bill. What they're doing is people that have been in this country for 30 days – and have a work visa. 
It's not undocumented immigrants. It's it's non-citizens. That's the thing. You said illegal immigrants. Okay. Illegal immigrants I'll, I'll are getting the right to vote. People it's, who are non-citizens. Which, who should have the right to vote anyway. If you're in this country legally and you're working, sh- do you not deserve to participate in our elections? Like, I actually disagree. Uh, I'm with Ryan on this one. I actually <laughs> have also read that bill. And I do not believe that non-citizens should have the right to vote. However... I support this bill because we have a federal government that refuses to grant citizenship based on race. Our government has an absolute racial qualifier on citizenship. And so therefore, if the government is going to put a draconian measure in place to restrict citizenship based on nation of origin and make it harder for certain races and nationalities to gain citizenship, Therefore, then the correction needs to be made. I think that's what New York is doing. So I think my point is that I think that Ryan is correct, that I actually am not for non-citizens voting, but I think this is a correction to an already wrong system. Good, Kay? Real quick. So what this bill actually does is it doesn't uh, allow them to vote for uh, president, members of Congress uh, in federal races or in state elections that pick governors, judges, or legislatures. It allows them to vote for anything else, apparently. Yeah, it's it's within the state because they can't grant the right to like, hey, you get to vote for the president. Now they can't do that. Correct. Uh, it was just simply a uh, it's not all specific everything for the state. So they can't uh, vote for state legislature. They can't vote for uh, governor like they're restricting it as far as that goes. So it's basically you can vote in New York County and the city of New York. And, and to like, or whatever city or county you live in. So you can vote very locally, but not largely. So for me, I am not in favor, if you are not a citizen, that you be allowed to vote. I, I just, I don't, I don't support that. So that's going to be one of the reasons when the Democratic Party is passing things like that, what am I going to do? I'm going to pick the party that's going to oppose that. And but then why I, don't you pick the Democratic Party when the Republican Party purges citizens? So... Are you talking about like when they purge the voting rolls? Mm-hmm. So the concept behind that is it's obviously most targeting people who are dead. It's supposed to be, right? So you're purged from the voting rolls. It also kicks in. I don't remember the specifics. I know it kicks in if you have been inactive for a certain amount of time. Yeah, but why? Why would why would you – where does it say in the Constitution that you lose your right to vote when you don't participate for two election cycles, because that's what they did in Georgia. But purging the election cycle doesn't mean you don't get the right to vote. It means you have to register to vote then. It just means that you update it. So you have to put an obstacle. When someone is already registered, why, why is there a... There, again, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that if you are less active, you must register more times. No, it doesn't. Why would I, you I become deact... Sorry. Why would you? Be, why would your, uh, your registration all of a sudden become deactive? If you are still alive, why would that happen? I don't think there's a good reason for it, but I don't think that it can be equated with just saying that we've now suppressed the vote because all you have to do is re-register. So it's not Wait, actually how is that not voting. It's an obstacle. It's an obstacle. So you're telling me that if a Democratic governor purged 70,000 Republicans from the voting record, that would not be voter suppression. If Gavin Newsom of California... Right. Or if Cuomo of New York purged 70,000 Republican voters, 
you wouldn't you wouldn't cry foul. You wouldn't say that. So yeah, they just have to do with an extra thing. Well, let's That's make fine. this apples no to apples. Deal. So mm-hmm. if if Gavin Newsom has Republicans who haven't voted in two years being purged. That's different because I feel like the other way that you frame that it, it's like he just does it immediately right beforehand versus if there's a process that takes place. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not going to go so far as to say that I think that that's suppression or preventing the vote is an obstacle. Absolutely. I, I, I will. What's give the difference? Like, what's the difference between placing an obstacle and suppression? Like, where do you draw that distinction? So you can still do it with one versus suppression. You're, you're putting things that prevent them from doing it as opposed to it's it's a hurt like a line along having lines to vote it's been called voter suppression and and to me it's you you don't you know it also doesn't stand the constitution you, you get to vote immediately and you don't have to wait in lines so like I, I that's why i'm making that distinction that usually suppression is it's it's stopping them from voting like i'd, I'd like to see that applied consistently and you don't believe that's a semantical argument so the, the problem with uh, purging people from the voter rolls is that most of the time when these people are, are purged from the rolls, they don't actually find out that they're purged mm-hmm. and that they can't vote until they actually get to the voting place and go and try to vote. So they haven't voted in two elections. They are jazzed about this one. They get all the way down there. They've waited in line for however long that takes. They get up to the front and oh, I'm sorry, you can't vote. You've been purged from the roll. Okay, well, how do I go about voting then? Well, you really can't this election. Yeah, and you don't find it interesting this happened in 2021? They purged over 100,000 voters only after the state flipped. So that's not fishy to you? That's not suppression? I don't don't think that those are the same. For, For Kay's point... Um, it it sucks, and I, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it doesn't. I do think that there's a certain level of voter diligence that they could do. For example, you can go online and you can check and see: Am I registered or not? You can check what party you're with. You can check where you can vote. Like all of that is accessible to you. And not yeah, but if you think that you're, well, <laughs> and if you think that you're already that that you're already registered, why yeah. would you do that? Yeah, I don't why go online you... to check my voter status. No, why would I? And, and you might, you very well might not. And and I think that that's that's a problem. That that's the point is that you wouldn't normally check if you're voting, if you're registered to vote or not, because you believe that you are. And then when you get there, you're told that you can't vote, regardless of whether you are Republican or Democrat. If that happens to you, you simply cannot vote in that election. Well, what if you really want to? Sorry, too bad, so sad. Good luck. And so again, I, mean, I, I have to ask, you're going to look us in the eye and tell us that the governor of Georgia, after the state flipped to a party that he is not in, in a contentious election, purged 100,000 people from the voter roll, and they were disproportionately the Democratic Party voters on grounds that they hadn't voted recently, and then there was no notification of their being purged. You're going to look us in the eye and tell me that is not dirty pool. That that's democracy. So you're saying Purge, in that election, he he just purged it right beforehand. Yeah, he in did. 20, okay. It was after so the election, 2021. Now, now you've given me more of a specific instance. I'll yeah. grant you that. I will. I'm I'm not going to say that that people don't use that to try and and sway votes. So then, are you joining the Democratic Party because that's the antithesis? 
No. It's not. But that was your point. Which which, which one? Your, your, well, your support of the GOP was that the Democratic Party is doing this that is unconscionable, and so therefore to support the GOP is the antithesis of that and the and the stopgap for that. You no, know, well, that, that was the one that I actually had the time to get out for that. <laughs> But I mean, the GOP is purging voting rules again. In, in, in Georgia, I'm not saying this is happening sure. in every state in the union. It's not. Um, it, but there's and, only and one that's party the, that's, that's doing the key this. Thing though, also is that it's not happening in the states that I live and vote in. So, like that is yeah. another key difference that but has you're to still be supporting in the there. party. You still support that party. So again, name me the state where the Democrats are doing that. And again, I'm not trying to be a Democrat, Stan. The Democrats right. suck and they're un-American. However. You can't point a state where the Democrats are creating massive voter poll purges of the opposing party. And you can point to places where the Republicans are doing that. I I don't have an instance of a Democratic state doing that. What I do have is instances where... For the same reason you don't have a unicorn. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> so, it doesn't exist. It doesn't and happen. That's, that's fine. No, It's then the I, same with voter fraud. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. And when it does happen, well, hold on. You got to be careful because vast majority of people that have been caught doing it are Republicans. So, well, no, it ex- it exists. That's Let, that's what I'm going to say. Is it, it exists, it does, but not yeah. at a statistical significant level that it matters. Yes, well, okay, that's and that's, that's what where I mean. I agree with Matt's statement earlier. That's correct. Uh, but yeah, just just for that technical aspect, I wouldn't say that it doesn't exist because it does. It's just not going to swing the state. It's not enough yeah. to make any difference whatsoever. Not even a state, a local election. I mean, it happens so little, you actually can call it insignificant. Like, you you, you mm-hmm. can count it yes. as non-existing. Um, not that it doesn't. We will say, yes, of course there is technically voter fraud. There's going to be a handful of people who cast two ballots or pretend to be someone else or do something shitty. But again, there's more people that win the lottery than do this in America. So <laughs> That is also true. Um, but what I care about is purging voting rules. And again, it's like, I, I want to ha- go back to that. There's a party that is purging six figure numbers from state voter rules. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And so it's like, you're going to tell me that we can lose a hundred thousand people in Georgia because four people committed voter fraud. And here's where I want this. And, and I'm not, I don't want this to come across as like the semantic games that you mentioned earlier because this mm-hmm. that's genuinely not what I'm trying to do. We are trying to have a good okay. faith debate here. Yeah. When people are purging, to me that is still a problem. But I do have a list of other things in the specific voting section that's not that are supported by the Democrats that lead to where I'm going to side one with the Republicans. So for example, when they were in favor of passing the last two at the at the the national senator level, it was in the Senate, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. There was a lot of things in there that I think gave a too much power to the federal government to oversee state elections. When I think that that should be overseen by the states within certain bounds. The way that can I the, ask you a quick question? Sure. Why do you think the the state should have? Because again, and this is something I actually disagree with federalism here. I don't believe the states should be doing their own elections at all. Um, I think putting small-time people who are much easier to be swayed in charge of elections is a bad idea. Now, you can say that's a great idea, that's a better idea. But my question is, every time we see this, it's state shenanigans. The federal government has never rigged an election. Well, that's... The federal government has never created massive voter polls, and the federal government has never put armed guards in front of polling places. 
and arrested people for trying to vote and state governments are the ones who always do that. So this is where you want to be careful because the federal government doesn't have the ability to do that right now. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like me saying Ryan has never killed someone on the operating table. It's because he's not a doctor, right? So well, the, you want to be the careful. The states don't have the legal right to arrest people for trying to vote legally. The states no, don't the have s- the legal right to have armed guards uh, v- commit violence against voters, but they have. By the Constitution, the states have the right to oversee their own elections. That does not mean that I think that they've done it flawlessly. It does not mean that I think that they have not messed up. All we have to do is look back a couple hundred years to where we see Jim Crow era and, and that was the case, right? So I'm not saying that that hasn't, has not happened. What I'm saying is the way that they have now written and, and both of these bills for the record died. But if Democrats had gotten the votes they wanted to, this is what they would have done. They would have federalized the elections. And that's the key distinction there for me is that this is what they wanted. The way that it was phrased was basically that the Federal Election Commission has the ability to investigate anything they think is fishy, and then they get to swoop in and oversee it. Here's where you have to connect a few dots. Those are connected to the Department of Defense. Department of Defense is overseen by, or Department of Justice, excuse me. The Department of Justice would be the one who would be overseeing this. Department of Justice is appointed by the president. So when they passed something like this, they were thinking more along the lines of Biden is the one in power, I'm I'm sure. But what I didn't like about this nationalization is that it's basically tying it back to whatever president happens to be in power. And that's why I don't like that they were giving that power to the federal government because of the loose language within the clauses that would activate the federal government's ability to step in. It would really open it up for federal government to operationalize on behalf of specific parties. And that could go either way. This ties back to you. You asked earlier, like, what are why? Why are you not joining the Democratic Party? It's because they're pushing things like this that to me, it's a bigger deal than purging. Purging is its own problem. I'm not I'm not clashing with you by saying it's not. But when, you know, they're they're trying to say states can't require I.D., regardless of what the state wants, when they're saying they have to have the automatic push of ballots, like ballots are just sent out to people. They can mail them in rather than request absentee ballot. Those are issues to me that the Democratic Party is in favor of that I think are a larger threat or a bigger problem than even just purging of the rolls. So I can give you the polls. I still think that there's other issues that clash with that. And if well, I'm picking- something else to, Well, something else to consider though is, is so, okay, you, you say like one of the big issues here is that it's it's a it's an executive appointed board and so therefore that can lead to corruption and i'm i'm not saying that's incorrect um what i am saying is we have that already who do you think appoints the state electoral board now in the states you think that's free of corruption i'm not saying it's free of corruption they're appointed as well so all this has done is is take what is already happening at the state level and federalizing it and if you're saying it's corrupt at the federal level Having the exact same system at the state level would only be more corrupt. Why is it more corrupt at the state level? Because it's smaller. But how does that make it more corrupt? Uh, for I- instance, uh, the, because you can have things like the governor of a state purging 100,000 people from its voter rolls. And again, I would point out that every single time we have egregious violations of the civil right to vote, historically, it always happens at the state level. Never federal. But again, the federal the reason, government does not kill people for voting. States do. 
But the reason you got to remember, though, the reason that it's happening problematically at the state level is because it's the states who are overseeing it. But so they don't have the right to do that. They completely violate the law when they do that. So the, the, the states have the same right to shoot people for voting that the federal government No, 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 no. I they didn't the say right. that they had the right to do that. What I'm saying is the states yeah. have the right to oversee the election. When you mention an instance of them shooting civilians, that mm-hmm. is that is a violation of – and, and those are – to me, those are two separate issues. Like they – But you say states, how could it be corrupted at the state level? That's how it is. That is corruption. That is a corrupted system. When you have the state sponsoring peace officers to murder people, political and again for political gain, not because someone decided to go kill everyone named Fred. Like no, that was that was a political party that 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 happened after reconstruction and after reconstruction, and it was always at the state level. The federal government had a vested interest in not having that happen, and it was the Democratic Party that did it. The Democratic Party of the South is the one who did this. The Democrats have a longer history of voter suppression than the Republicans do. That's because right-wingers don't like the right to vote. Well, right-wingers don't like everyone having the right to vote. So I guess to me that just leads back to the question then if – I feel like you're proposing that because a system has a problem or like can be corrupt, then like that just means it would be better if it was federalized. To me, that's not the conclusion I arrive at. Like, say, for example, they had, let's say these bills had been a little bit more nuanced and very limited in the federal government. Let's say they just focused it to if a governor is just going to purge these with no notice, here's the restrictions Mm -hmm. that we have. I would not have as much of a problem with that as, say, a clause that just says anytime the federal government thinks that the state governments are doing something fishy and none of that is clarified or specified. We don't know what counts as that. We don't know what triggers these things because they they don't specify those things. It's the vagueness to me that's the problem. If they were to be more specific, I don't have a problem with the federal government coming in and intervening as long as they're doing so within their powers. Like uh, constitutionally given them those powers. powers. Say that again? Like so you're, you're saying you... it with constitutionally given powers. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm but, saying, I mean, and, and that's the other thing sorry, is, is the the way that they're passing this should require a constitutional amendment. They're trying to get it by without having to do that. So it was the whole process that was also problematic to me. Because constitutional amendments aren't possible anymore. But they're supposed to be the process. They are supposed to be, but the process is outdated and broken. Well, and more than that, let me just put something to you. One of the reasons that's not possible anymore is because the conservative party now fundamentally believes incorrectly that the constitution should never change. Like that's a staple of conservatism. That's, that's part of the, like, it's in the name conserve. Like they don't want the constitution to change. So it's like we have a system where the only way to change it is to get the majority of the country on, on involved, but all the red States aren't going to do it because they don't believe it should change. Yeah. And we have by part, we have this, this, this two party system where again, you can never get a two thirds majority or three quarters majority on anything. You could you could put a bill forward from either party that says we're passing a bill that says the sky is blue and you cannot get it passed 
because you will not find Republicans supporting a Democratic-led one. And again, you will have a better chance at getting Democrats to support a Republican bill, but it's still pretty damn slim. Democrats are almost as obstructionist as Republicans are. They're they're not Mm -hmm. they're not they're not blameless in this. Um, Well, that's the thing is you can't you can't amend the Constitution anymore. It's a dead system. And we hold up this system that is over 200 years old by by oligarch slavers as, as some kind of gift from the heavens. And it's not. The Constitution was never meant to be a religion. It was meant to be changed every generation. It was meant to be thrown out and rewritten. And we've lost that. I don't know that it was designed to be thrown out and rewritten. What it was designed Thomas Jefferson for, said that himself. Multiple quotes from him saying that. And not just yeah, him, but all the, the founding, other founding fathers. Yeah, all the founding fathers wanted a non-permanent document. The, the most famous of ones is, by the way, is the living quote, uh, the living document quote from Thomas Jefferson. I don't know the full one, but basically he says, this is meant to, the, the paraphrasing here, this is meant to be a living document, given that the people of the United States are going to be an ever growing and changing uh, country. Like the founding fathers knew that times change, people evolve, and the only way for their government to succeed was to be able to change and adapt with the people. Now we have a party that doesn't think that and is actually trying to say the founding fathers never said that. Oh, we have two parties. I'm sorry. Nancy Pelosi's in that same boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. F- fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Both parties. <laughs> I think you're right in that. Uh, you're. I think you're partially right. I think that you're right that it was designed to change, which is why they created that system. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know that it was designed to be changed as frequently as you had mentioned, which was the objection I had. I wasn't objecting to to it changing. The other thing that I would just make a note of is that when it comes, you say that like Republicans are just obstructionist. True. Like right now, the way politics is working, whoever doesn't hold the power is an obstructionist. And that's like, that's what they want to do. My personal opinion, the less progress that the government is making means that they're, they're not overreaching because like, I feel like that's where they're going and and I'm okay with them not making as broad of changes as they want to with some of the things that they've tossed out there. But to your point with with the constitutional amendments, I don't think it was designed to be easy because if I'm remembering the process correctly off the top of my head, you have to have, I think you have to call for like a true democratic majority. Yeah. Like no, it, ha- it, has to to it's, it has to be a two thirds. It has to be a two thirds majority and uh, of, uh, and all the, the states people have to one ratify by one. And, and to me, yeah. so, and and that's where and I, I agree I, with that, by the way. Yeah, I agree with you on that front. I think because they were also worried about one party or or basically having, a, again, going back to a, a, a king, having, you know, yes. a, a monarchy like they didn't want power to be concentrated. So that was designed to be that way. I well, they don't want it to swing part. wildly either, because, you know, with how often they switch parties, you'd be like, you have gun rights. You don't have gun rights. Like, you know, if, if they were amending it the way they wanted to. And. You mentioned earlier that Republicans are obstructing these things. I think it's important to look at what are they obstructing. So like some of the things that require a constitutional amendment that say the Democratic Party has toyed around with, I think they've been very, I want to say this carefully, I'm not the person who's like, oh, they're coming for your guns. I think that some of them, if if they had the support to do so, they would. But 100% they, agree. But, but it's not... The Democratic Party's anti-gun. I think that yep. it becomes fear-mongering mm-hmm. at a point, and that's where I want to draw that nuance. But at the same time, that's something where, hell yeah, the Republicans are going to obstruct that. 
um, because you know it, it has to be done by a constitutional amendment. So, and as they should under no pretext. I actually I'll agree with you on that one. That the Second Amendment again is an amendment of the Constitution, and the liberal parties violate the Constitution all the time to try to limit the Second Amendment. However, if we're going to say that the Republican parties are the Republican Party is the vanguard against uh, overreach here, um, they blockaded the president from nominating a Supreme Court justice. That is a complete and total violation of the Constitution. So again, it's like every every example you have, the Republicans are always on the worst end of it. So in what way was it was it a violation of the Constitution? Because what the Constitution outlines is the president appoints like they nominate and then Congress appoints. And And so in that case, they just didn't confirm. Mm-hmm. So to me, no, no, I'm they, wondering how they that... didn't just not confirm. It was complete bad faith. And before the president had nominated anyone, the, uh, the, the, the Senate majority, Turtle McConnell himself, came out and said, no matter what, he could have done anyone. He, he could have nominated Mitch McConnell. And the Republican Party would have would have stopped it. That is obstructionist, and that is against the Constitution. They denied the president the right to nominate a Supreme Court justice, not because there was a problem with it or it didn't pass muster. They did it on political bias alone, and didn't just vote it down. Came out ahead of the time. To- came out ahead of it, and said they will. That is absolutely in violation of the Constitution. They denied the president the constitutionally enumerated power to do that. It was 100% a dick move. Like, absolutely. It was absolutely a party move. I agree with it you. It was there. an unconstitutional move. But Again, we're not even just whether or not it was nice, because it, both parties do unnice things. I don't care what's sure. nice. I care what is in violation of the law and the spirit of the Constitution. But they, but they didn't. He's still nominated. They just didn't confirm it. So, like, to me, that that's it was, it was a dick move. It was clearly politically driven based off of party. But... I'm, I guess I'm feeling to see but that how was a was, hearing to the con- that, that's what the founding fathers wanted. That's what the Constitution was designed. But to those do, are two different things. Let- and, and that's that's where just but it, again, we're now it's debating letter of law. Versus, right. It is. Yeah, now it's, you know, it's still semantic. Which it, actually, it, it, here's the thing, well, hold on. Let me because I, I can Go play ahead. that game in reverse. I'll, I'll play that game in reverse. Like the Second Amendment specifies militia. Militia are outdated and no longer useful. Should we throw out the, the Second Amendment because because of the militia argument? No. I, and again, I'm not saying we should. I think that's a bullshit argument. But what I'm saying is if you're going to start saying, well, the letter, the spirit matters. And the spirit of the Second Amendment is that Americans are not going to be denied the right to, hold, to bear arms. And the spirit of the Constitution lining out how this process works is that the president has a job. Congress has a job. They're both going to do it. And this is how it's done. Congress violated that. And we're working more importantly, the Second Amendment also states only that Congress shall make no law. It does not say the federal government. So by your logic, the president should make an executive order banning guns, and that would be in the spirit of the Constitution. It would not be a violation of our civil rights. I agree. See why that sucks? I agree with you 100%. (laughs) Spirit does matter. It matters a lot, it, it and that's does. why we have a Supreme Court. It does, and, and, and I, I'm not saying that it doesn't. But what I'm saying is I feel like it's a very serious allegation to say something's unconstitutional. And to me, it really seems like it's kind of conflating the two between what is, you know, they confirmed versus what was 
propose. Like- the, the Constitution is a framework of governance. The point of the Constitution is to allow governance to go and it is to be a check and balance system to, to, to stop, um, uh, you know, every, everything from uh, oligarchies uh, to authoritarianism to uh, corruption. Like it is meant to give a check and balance system so that no one party or group can seize control, right? That is the point of the Constitution is to allow for things like a peaceful transfer of power and who has the right to do what. That's the point of it. Well, the point was to have the president, who is the direct vote of the people. Remember, no one gets a clear mandate to rule the president of the United States. That was why they chose the executive to do this. Nominates a, a and to balance that, to make sure the president's like, I'm going to nominate my horse to make sure that Joe Biden doesn't, his Alzheimer's doesn't kick in and he doesn't set up as, you know, his limo driver to be the, the, the next, you know, whatever, the next justice is to go through a confirmation so the Senate can be like, wait a second, he nominated his horse. That's a fucking problem. That's what it's there for. And we all agree that that is the reason for it. That is why it is there. And that's, again, the founding fathers assumed that people weren't going to be pricks and pick things apart like this. The founding fathers assumed a bit of common sense because, again, remember, the founding fathers didn't want the average American to vote. The Founding Fathers wanted a very specific group of people with a very specific cultural and educational and financial background to be voting. So they put a lot out there of people will assume and carry forth the spirit of the Constitution. The Constitution was written for people to be carrying forth the spirit of it. And again, we have an entire branch of government devoted to carrying forth the spirit of the Constitution. And that's why I say it is not good faith to say that, well, it wasn't unconstitutional because it absolutely was. It violates everything the Constitution was written to be and any common sense measure of how that is read. We know the president has the right to nominate and that Congress is not there to blockade that. Congress is there as a safeguard to make sure that bullshit doesn't happen. A corrupt influence doesn't occur. And that's not what happened there. That was the Republican Party playing politics and subverting the will of the American people, subverting democracy, which, again, the Republican Party does more than anyone else. No one hates democracy more than the Republican Party because, again, you point out a whole lot of sins of the Democrats, and I, 99% of them I'm with you on, 100%. They're dangerous, the Democrats scare the shit out of me, and the Democrats don't actually care about the American people. But the Republican Party is the one that purges voter rolls. The Republican Party invented gerrymandering. The Republican Party kills people for voting. The Republican Party is the most obstructionist. It stops the things like the president from putting forth justices. It's always the Republican Party that does this. And every time you point to, well, the Democrats are doing this, and this could lead to a draconic problem, like it could lead to corruption, and you're not wrong, it could. But the alternative, as you like to point out, is corruption that's already happening. It's kind of like people who were like, well, I'm afraid of the vaccine because there could be a side effect. Well, there's a guaranteed side effect if you catch COVID of having X percentage risk of dying. That is guaranteed. And that lowers with a vaccine. Now, is it risk free? Sure, I guess you could say there's an issue with it. But it's very easy to see where the science points that this is better, that A is better than B. And having a federalized system that could lead to some problems or could lead to good. We'll see where it goes with the best of intentions. We can try, but that's what America is supposed to be. And to then say, we can't do that. And so therefore we're going to leave it in the hands of people who purge six figure numbers 
from voter polls that are demonstrably in one direction and a political view that is constantly on the side of literally massacring people for having their voice heard and a party that is on the side of subverting the spirit of the constitution that's the death of democracy man wasn't biden flags i saw storming the capitol it is always (laughs) one side of this that is anti-democratic and i would defy you to tell me where that's wrong which part (laughs) and pick okay yes (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I think Pick you and choose. Let's go down the line. No, no, no. So I'm not here with a direct refutation to a lot of what you said. Because a lot of what you said is absolutely true. I, I mm. agree with large chunks of what you said. I think that purging the voter like for me, it comes down to and not even down to like where I'm gonna vote, but like when we're weighing issues. I agree with you that things like purging are problematic. I just don't see them as problematic as some of the other things. And and I do find myself a lot of times when voting or, you know, just when looking at politics, it seems more like, oh, uh, uh, what's, what's, what do I think is, is more palpable? Like, I, I don't think that the choices that we have really represent the people. Um, well, I, I, gonna, I think that both parties. Too. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you first. Finish your thought part. Sorry, I thought you were done. I, <laughs> I think it's gone. Go ahead. <laughs> you got oh, it. Now. I apologize. I didn't mean to. That's all right. Well, one thing I'm going to put out there, and again, this is no way to impugn your you as a person, sure. but I'm going to just point this out. I think the reason you feel that way is because you're not affected negatively by a lot of Republican policies. Well, Republican policies benefit people like you, me. Chris, okay. Like, here's the thing. When I don't vote Republican, I'm voting against my own best interest. Because Repu- I am a, I am almost 40 years old. I, I make a good income. I own a home. I have a family. I have a, I have a kid, another kid on the way. We have money in the bank. We have money invested. I'm a straight cis white male. Everything the Republicans sell is good for me. I don't vote for it because it's awful for other people. And it brings me back to, we, we've gotten, we've fallen into the trap and this is on us too, of debating Republican versus Democrat. And you're going to find again, we agree with you a lot about Democrats. Democrats are awful too, but we don't support Democrats either. Neither Chris nor myself voted for Joe Biden. Nope. God, no. I, I, I actually officially left the Democratic Party as soon as Biden got elected and I didn't vote for him either um, because the party no longer represents what I think is the best interest of this country. And I'm going to go back to this leftist values versus right winger values, because, again, that you can separate those from the parties. I think it gets harder when you're separating the right from Republicans. But you can separate them. And again, I'll default to this. We have one party that is, by any definition, a conservative party in this country that is actively trying to restrict a group of people in this country from voting. Leftists don't want that. That's why us as leftists won't support the Republican Party. I'm just speaking for us personally here. We we, we don't support, support Republicans because that's bad. We think that's a bad thing. 
Now, if I was in Georgia, I probably locally would have voted for a Democrat because the Democrat in Georgia was trying to stop that. (laughs) And so I'll put it back to you again. The reason I'm a leftist is because I see what the conservatives and the right is doing, and I think that's bad. One of the examples of that is the voting thing that I've pushed to you. I still want to hear from you. You are saying that, if I'm understanding you right, that you look at Democrats at the federal level, label them as leftists, and think and say what the left is doing is worse than the right. Like that, that I'm I'm taking as your point is you think that the voting rights restriction that the, the Republicans are doing is not as bad as what potentially could happen from Democrats. Is, is that pretty much the summation of your your point? I would argue that the reason you feel that way is because ultimately these conservative policies are not going to affect you. I and I think it depends on the policies you're talking about because like we've spent a lot of time on the voting rights and you're making the argument that these disproportionately af- uh disproportionately affect people of color, right? And we've used mm-hmm. Georgia as the instance. I don't think that mm-hmm. that's as true writ large. I know Georgia's been the focal point recently. I think that a lot of the conservative values that are upheld don't just support people like me, like you guys, right? So for example, generally, Republicans are going to be in favor of putting money towards businesses. They're going to be in favor of tax cuts. Jobs are great for people of all colors and races. Like I think- Tax cuts for who? Say that again? Tax cuts for who? For the businesses. Who, so, who so owns again, the like, majority of businesses in this country and who is the wealthy in this country? Because that's the thing is that's what you're talking about is you say, yeah, jobs. But if if the tax cuts carry forth and support an already skewed demographic and a system of white supremacy. But that's that's not true, though, because like look under, under when Trump was running the economy and he cut taxes, when you looked by demographic, you had the lowest unemployment rate for black Americans, for his You also the lowest unemployment for white Americans. Right. And so what I'm saying that, is that by demographic, my, my general point here was when you do things like that for those businesses, they employ more people. It's You can make the argument, like I think you just were, that maybe a disproportionate amount of white males are the CEOs and it's their company that's getting it. But they don't just employ white males. And that's what I was getting at, that there is a nuance there. And when you look at it, by demographic, you were seeing lower unemployment rates than we have. So, but I, but employment is not the same as success. You know, Joe Biden is up here touting the greatest un, a greatest level of of employment recap in history. Would you say that Joe Biden is the greatest job creator of all time, or would you say that Joe Biden is clearly skewing numbers? Because oh, I would. <laughs> he, of he course, is skewing. Well, yeah. and, and I agree he dropped ten bucks on not... the ground and then he picked up ten bucks. It went, look, ten bucks happened. <laughs> he it's jumped like, in no, front of the bullshit. parade, as they say. I'm, I'm Absolutely, not, I'm not saying that it is the only marker of success. It's it is one example that I'm giving, though, that these policies that are one of the key differences between the left and the right forget democrat republican and maybe you would mm-hmm. want to draw a distinction after i say this no i agree left and right let's you, do that it's better usually the left is more interested in getting government involved more in order to create equity equal outcome the right is more in favor of providing opportunities that are equal opportunities and i think you might dispute part of that based off of what you've brought up but the general idea here like you mentioned at the beginning chris is that Republicans or conservatism, the right, they tend to want to kind of 
give them a little bit and then let them spring back up if it's a social safety net or give them opportunities so that they can be employed and then they pull themselves up by their bootstrap. Like that's, that's the general premise of the right. The left likes to level the playing field and they like to make sure that people who are disproportionately affected, they get an equal outcome. And that's really why Correct. the left has now been talking about equity instead of equality. It's a small change, mm -hmm. but it's an important one because equality means we all have an opportunity to speak, right? Like on this podcast, right? There's, there's an equal opportunity. You have equal opportunity for job employment, equality. Equity means you have no disproportionate outcome, which I think, Chris, if I'm not mistaken, that's going to gear a little bit more towards your communistic preferences mm -hmm. that we we want to make sure that those are all the same. The left right now is more in favor of those policies that are going to make it so that everyone is equal across the board. Where I disagree with those and why I tend to support the right is because while I agree with you on a utopia would be great, history and where these things tend to go when run by the government, it doesn't land us where you and I could agree would be a good thing, right? Everybody has a bunch of money. Usually, it only comes in the form of, well, we have to redistribute the land. So now there's there's less of an intent to go haywire. So I don't support the party that's in favor of those types of things. Just as a few values that don't just benefit me as a white male. Like, I think there's a lot. And that's why we see, you know, there there is a large demographic that votes for Republican that is not white. White's going to be the majority one, and, and I'll give you that. But it doesn't just benefit them. And, and you know what? I'm actually glad you brought up the point. So, so what we've been doing here is we've been talking about this is what the left wants. This is what the right wants. We haven't talked about results a whole lot. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things you mentioned a couple of times now is that when you give businesses money, they're going to create jobs. That's actually a very common talking point from the right. Yes. That doesn't stand up to scrutiny. And and this is where we get into how do we, you say one thing, I say one thing. How do we find out what the truth is, right? Now with us here, we lean on data, verifiable facts, um, you know, statistical analysis and things like that. And there's, there's holes to be posed there, but we believe the scientific me method is the best way to find out the truth about the world. That is our stance, all right? Yeah, and I agree with and you. And when you start looking at the data, what you said there, your point about they're going to create jobs doesn't stand up to the to the test. In fact, by and large, when you give companies more money, they don't create more jobs. They hoard the wealth. They give bonuses to their CEOs. They, In fact, most of the time what they'll do is they'll invest that money into technologies that will allow them to hire less people and get rid of people. As it should, because that's how capitalism yeah. works, is, is the job of the companies to build profit under any circumstance, regardless of anything else. A, a company's job is not to have allegiance to a country or to an employee or anything. A, a, a corporation's interest is to prop quarterly profits and to their shareholders. And that is it. That is how the system is designed. And what we see is supply side economics has, has furthered that. And it's failed miserably. It just created the largest debt culture in the world. And that's not from equity. That is from the overshipping and overseas shipping of jobs. And that is from companies no longer needing to have any any protections to what they should be doing in terms of job placement or hiring. It is a system designed to reward the most ruthless of business practices. And to correct that would require heavy government overreach. I mean, that's the thing is, if you look at the last, you know, 150 years, what are the things that have improved for the average worker, right? 
Well, we, we, we now have paid overtime. Uh, we don't have child labor anymore. We don't have slavery. You know, we, do, we don't, weeks. we have five day work week. We have guaranteed medical leave. We have workers rights in the workplace. Sexual harassment's illegal, you know, that kind of thing. And all of that has not only come because of leftists and the people who were opposed to it were righties, but beyond that, that has all come from government reach. All of that is enforced by a stronger and more powerful government. And each one of those steps required the government to branch forward and gain more power over private industry and private individuals. And so, like Matt was saying about results, if we're going to say that we're worried about government overreach, which don't get me wrong, I'm also not a fan of major government overreach in the wrong ways, but I'm a fan of strong government when it's for helping the people. And every time these advancements have come, it has been from massive government increase in power to do so, in domestic authority. And so how can we say that that is the problem when that's the only thing that historically has improved conditions and by giving power to the select few ownership class has never done that? Chris, I think you raise an important point that the answer is not going to be the strict of one idea or another. So like, for example, America doesn't run off of pure capitalism because pure capitalism would have eliminated everything that you just mentioned that we now view as benefits, right? There's, mm-hmm. there is a level of regulation that takes place. And I agree with you. That is a good thing. And in the same way, we do have some, albeit broken, socialistic aspects, right? Like, you know, like welfare is going to be a form of socialistic like you, you, it is redistributing to help it, those in it's need. a socialistic program absolutely right. and so we have some of those and so we're all agree with you on i think where you were we're going with that broader point there has to be some level of government intervention and i don't disagree with you what i mainly disagree with is following surprised it to, to hear that no well, yeah but to me and and that might be because i don't know maybe i misspoke at the beginning or we just have hey really we both surprised into, each other that's yeah, great which is great i, I like that yeah so where I where I'm gonna deviate is probably where you would like that to go to its ultimate end, right? Like I I'm going to I, I don't know. Actually, you know what? Scratch that because I, I'm not quite sure. I I know you're very select on the parts of like socialistic communism that you support. Well, I, th- I think I don't what you're. Speak for I, you. Well, if I could pair, I think you're on a good point. I think that that is the, where we differ. Is that I want, and I, I will be the first to admit it. I want massive, overreaching government, and that's power. where we differ. <laughs> and that's where we differ. Is that you do not trust the government to be the, the the safeguard of human liberty, and I don't trust this government to be the vanguard of human liberty. But I do trust a government. And I think that is where a lot of people on both sides get caught up because I do not want the American government to have massive overreach. I want a revamped government to have massive overreach. I want what Western and Northern Europe have. And to me, that's one of the flaws of like the socialistic or communistic like fundamental beliefs is like they think that we just need to basically experiment till we get it right. Like they're, they're failed states that like, Oh that no, that's what liberals want. That's what liberals want. <laughs> right. That, so, that is a liberal fantasy. And, and again, I'm, I'm only coming off of, you know, who do we have? Like we don't have communistic people in our government right now. God, that, no. Right. Nope. So again, it's, it's kind of hard for me to make that comparison, right? Because there's not someone there to represent that. And I don't want to misrepresent that. But what I think is important here is where I think you and I will probably fundamentally disagree is 
I don't want that large government overreach. And it's partly because of what you mentioned. I don't trust it. It's also because it boils down to actors. And I think one of the things that like the socialistic, at least the liberal points that I consistently hear from more of the left that's in our government right now, those representatives, is they think that the use of that power, that mass, in my opinion, gross government overreach is not only acceptable, but is beneficial as long as they're the ones in charge of the levers of power. Because I am grounded in the understanding that the government swings back and forth. I don't want those levers to be accessed by people because it is now going to be based off of it, the the good of the people is determined by who's in power, right? Because you, you mentioned, yeah. like, I want the good of the people. My question when someone wants the government to overreach is, well, who gets to determine what's good? And when it comes to government controlling that, governments, whatever whatever representative is in power, if it's a monarch, if it's a dictator, if it's our members of Congress, president, whoever we're looking at, they're the ones who get to decide that. And that's one of the big problems that I have with things like some of the mandates that come from the federal level is because they are determining what is good when I think a nuanced approach is a little bit better. Yeah. And here's the thing. I will fully admit that your complaints against a communistic and socialist approach are valid. And every time that a socialistic approach has failed, it is for those reasons. Now, I would also say there's a lot of other factors involved, things like technology, things like cultural evolution, and things like interference from Western powers. But regardless, I think the point is valid that the, the, the disagreement, that the impasse that we will never get over is that I believe the only way to safeguard the rights and liberties and well-being of humanity is through a semi-altruistic and difficult to achieve but well-run bureaucracy and you and people like you are of the belief that it is impossible to have a bureaucracy do that yes that's uh, yes yeah took the and i think that's just where the impasse and that's okay yeah it's okay to have an impasse that we can't get over but i think it's good to explore them and find out why yeah you know, because again, even if you disagree, it's fine. But if we can get down to the brass tacks of what are our political beliefs and where do we disagree and why, that's a great conversation. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. I, I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. So, Ryan, before you go, um, give us a plug. Where, if, if people liked what you said or really want to hear your side of the discourse with the other side, because, you know, you, your show's a bit kind of like this. It's probably a lot more evenly based and not a three on one gangbang <laughs> like this was. <laughs> Which, by the way, you held up admirably, brother. I appreciate it. Um, I know this couldn't have been easy. Yeah, um, this is a fucking lion's den, dude. Yeah. You handled yourself well. Where, where can people go to check out your podcast and listen to you and get your content? So we're actually on all of the podcast platforms. We're on Apple. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor. I feel like there's one that I'm missing. Uh, we also, we live stream our recordings and we those just go to YouTube. So if you just want like the uncut, untrimmed, the breaths are there, like all of it. You can find us on our YouTube channel um, and we stream those recordings, which are usually Saturdays at noon central time. We we do have social medias. Uh, you can find if, if you want like updates or like you want direct links to like all of our options. We have those linked in the bios of all of our socials. So we've got an Instagram, we've got a Twitter uh, our Twitter could use some love and some followers. I think we got like 19 people. <laughs> uh, Facebook. Right, we're going to follow you right now. Oh, perfect. I think we, I think our, our thing's already following you. So, but yeah, all of our socials are just between the liars. Some of them have like the little 
uh, what's the little underscore spacing between the words to make it a little easier. So, so it's between the liars and there's underscores between them. Yep. On some, on, on the Instagram there is. Yep. Okay, awesome. So yeah, everyone check out that with between the liars underscores and not underscores. Uh, again, we I'm sure we can Google it and pull up a plethora of, of links. Check the description below. <laughs> yeah, check the description. We're gonna we're gonna post your links in our description. Oh, perfect. Yeah, and if you don't like me, but you want some some other opinions, we always have guests on and and there's a there's a good debate. So this this was fun. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, go go show them Thanks some love because that, 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 that took a brass pair to come in here on three on one. So I appreciate it. <laughs> And uh, we, I am sure, will be seeing you again. So anyway, thank you all for being here. We appreciate it. I know this is a long one, but uh, I hope you liked it. You know, we're doing a lot more content where we're bringing some different sides to the story and getting people on with different things to say. So if you're loving it, if you're hating it, let us know. Email us at thealtleftpodcast at gmail.com and find us on Twitter. Find us anywhere. Uh, and we will see you again. I'm sure Ryan will be back as well. And until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Remember, kids, the revolution is you.